the Laps Factor Podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You're watching episode 193 of the Lax Factor Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about the Syracuse Army game. We're going to talk about Duke-Richmond this weekend. We're going to talk about Notre Dame-Maryland, Carolina-Denver, Virginia-Hopkins, Michigan-Delaware is what I'm curious about. We're going to talk about a bunch of crap. Before I get into it, as always, you can go to laxfactor.com. You can actually find all of our videos in the audio podcast there. Or... You can also support us by buying swag. We have the Lax Factor lacrosse shorts on here. I'll put we're going to put them on sale here uh, for this weekend, so they'll go on sale. I think they're going to be thirty bucks this weekend. And I'm going to shut up right now. As always, though, if you're watching this video on YouTube, just hit the like button. Let's see if we can get this over like thirty to fifty likes, just because you guys indiscriminately hit the like button like crazy. So be sure to like, subscribe if you're an audio listener, share it with people. That's all we ask really in the end. And that's it. Let's get into this Cuse Army game here. Army ends up winning 17-13, as has been the case. Syracuse, they came out, they struck first. Brennan Curry sticks one, a nice shot on the run to give Syracuse a 1-0 lead. Nick Turn doesn't waste any time. He scores two goals almost, you know, right away within four minutes to give Army a 2-1 lead. Then Army has a 3-1 lead, 4-1 lead, and Reese Burke gives Army a 5-1 lead towards the end of the first quarter. Once again, Cuse just got no looks. Defensively, Army looked good early on. Cuse was winning draws early on. Offensively, they just looked terrible. They turned the ball over a bunch, and they they just did nothing through most of that first quarter. So just like Army, they go on a five-goal run themselves. Cuse answers. They they end up going on a six-goal run You know, towards the end of the first into about halfway through the second quarter. They look good. Seabold looked good through that stretch. He ends up scoring two goals over that stretch. Dordovic got one. Corsi, the freshman, got one. Fop scored his first career goal. Hard to believe, but he scored his first career goal. He ended up 1-1 one and one on the day. We'll go through his numbers later on. And then from there, after Cuse took that 7-5 lead, I'm feeling pretty good watching the game. And they kind of exchanged goals. Cuse would go up by 2, Army would answer. Cuse goes up by 2, Army answers. Then at one point, Cuse held a 10-7 lead. Army got back within 1-10-9, and then Cuse... At about 149, Griffin with left in the third. Griffin Cook, he scores one to give Cuse a two-goal lead late in the third. And then Bobby Abshire scores very, very quickly within a minute or so after that to end up at 13-12 going into the fourth quarter. Wheels came off after that, though, because after Cuse took that 13-11 lead, Army went on a 6-0 run, and that was all because Army went into a zone defense. Alberici put them in a zone, and Syracuse looked heinous their zone offense traditionally they had run the man up play that they've run for like three decades or so that that same pretty much man up play where a a ball carrier will carry into another ball carrier who goes to the crease and everybody kind of a three-man rotation kind of a wheel a little mini three-man wheel and they used to run that beautifully it looks like they might be fucking with that a little bit because they didn't run that or they ran a variation of it but it was funky it did not look good the spacing was terrible guys weren't getting to the crease quick enough and getting underneath the ball carrier it, they looked awful they got no looks almost at all through that entire fourth quarter they turned the ball over i think it was 7 to 9 times over the course of the fourth quarter and it wasn't like army was pressing syracuse just couldn't even pass the ball around against the zone. I'm thinking they probably should have dumped into a 3-3, probably run that same set, but gone a little bit more flat because they were kind of circled up with a crease man. And, And the way Army was playing the angles never worked out for Syracuse after that. And that 
That was all she wrote, folks. It was it was terrible. As we look at the turnovers here, they had seven turn. Both teams had seven turnovers in the fourth quarter, but Syracuse's were were way worse. It was terrible, and Cuse ends up turning the ball over nineteen times over the course of the game. Cuse twenty one to twenty five and clears. Syracuse was. It didn't seem like that if you watched it. If you watched it, it seemed like they turned the ball over in the clearing game a lot more than they did. From a faceoff perspective, Cuse dominated. So for them to lose this game after dominating the faceoff dot the way they did, I mean, it makes sense though. You win, you win twenty-two faceoffs. You turn the ball over nineteen times. Well, that's that's all she wrote from there. As we get into the stats here, Brendan Nickturn, Brendan Nickturn, incredible game, four and two. Bobby Abshire, four and one. Danny Kabasi. Kilbasa, 2-0. Army looked good across the board. Nick Turn was aggressive. Nick Turn, big. He's not big, but he's strong. Low center of gravity. Just an incredible attackman. He'll be, you know, potentially one of the Twarton finest finalists if he just keeps playing the way he has and if Army keeps winning games overall. And then on the Q side here, just not enough. Owen Seabold looked good. He looked solid until they went into the zone and then all hell broke loose for Syracuse. But that's why they went into the zone is because Seabold and Curry pretty much carved them up going for four goals apiece. They both shot the ball well, seven and nine shots respectively. Dordovic, one and two off 10 shots. So that's not going to get it done. That's another reason they lost this game was because Dordovic took 10 shots and only nailed one of them. That's not going to get it done. As I said, Fop, one of one, uh, one goal, one assist, 10 GBs, 22 of 33 from the faceoff dot. So he had a hell of a game. And then in terms of the goalie battle, Syracuse had a terrible time. Bobby Gavin got benched uh, early in the first quarter, turned the ball over, gave up a goal, and they put him right on the bench. And I was, I was, I did the WAER post game show with those guys uh, about ten minutes or so. I talked to him, and they were wondering why did we, why did I think Gavin got benched? I don't think, I don't think he faced enough shots necessarily to get benched that early, but I think it was a combination of giving up some goals, giving up that terrible goal after the turnover, and I think it was a carryover from earlier in the season. They have not been clearing the ball well, and and not that Harrison Thompson did better, but he didn't look bad in the KG. Their Syracuse's offense with the turnovers, they had a lot of turnovers in the middle of the field, a lot of just dumb, broken ball situations on Army side of the field that gave Army second chances. That's going to kill you when you're a, a goaltender, and so I, I think that both goalies did okay in cage in terms of what they stopped, even though they were both under 50%, but it's mostly because they they were facing really tough shots, wide open shots, guys with time and room, and Schupler, down day. I mean, it's not a great day for Schupler. You know, 50, 50%, he's, he's typically more solid than that, but it was good enough, good enough for them to win. So in the end, what am I thinking here? Does this mean for Syracuse? I think this means when you look at their schedule, if we go back to the schedule here, it doesn't get any easier. This is only going to get harder from here. They have Hobart on Sunday, and Hobart is a very solid lacrosse team. That is going to be no cake, uh, no walk in the park for Syracuse at all. Archer is incredible. We'll talk about that one later in the show. But then you got Hopkins, a solid Stony Brook squad, Duke, Notre Dame. Albany, I think, is the weakest team left on the schedule, and I think that's kind of a gimme game even at Albany, but you never know. And then Cornell, Carolina, and then you close out with Virginia and Notre Dame again. So that's rough. 
that's rough because if they p- continue to play the way they played against Army, they may beat Hopkins, but they won't beat Duke. Duke they won't beat Duke. They won't beat Notre Dame. They won't beat Cornell. They, they seven and seven is going to be tough to get to. They're going to have to improve greatly at this point to get to seven and seven. If they improve drastically and pull a couple of upsets in the Big East, then they could they could see eight and six. But I'm telling you what, seven and seven is a reasonable, I think, estimate and forecast for this team. Six and eight, I would say, might even be more likely if they continue to play the way they've played. If they get better and clean up the the stupid mistakes, then, you know, seven and seven and eight and six are possibilities. But if they continue to play poorly like this, they could go six and eight. They could go five and nine. I wouldn't be surprised if they keep playing this bad, partially just because their schedule is brutal and they have no games off. Even even Albany is a longtime rival and they're playing them at Albany. They're going to be hyped for that game to be going down at Casey Stadium. So that's that. It, it does not look good. And uh, I'm not excited about the prospects here after this game, but we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, one thing I want to do, I do want to talk about a couple more games before I get into the previews here for this weekend. Loyola and Towson had a heck of a game here. Let's see here. Avanzado, 2-2. Two and two. Luke Schilling, 3-1. and one. A hell of a game out of him. And then what we get in the goalie battle here? Schaefer didn't have a great game, and Shane Brennan did. Shane Brennan with 12 saves against 8 goals against, so he wins the goalie battle, you know, fairly fairly well here and Towson ends up squeaking out uh an 11 an 11 8 win in this one what 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 happened at the faceoff dot Bailey Savio did a good job did a good job in the faceoff dot we just have a goalkeeper let us down and the offense for for Loyola didn't do enough Towson improves to 2 and 3 though and Loyola drops to 0 and 4 so that's got to hurt them a little bit i would presume and then Albany did beat Siena let's check that one out real fast here Whitcomb 2 and 3 Seneca 1 and 3 not too bad not too bad. I have to shut my phone up here. So that's what we're dealing with. Now we're going to get into talking about the games that are being played this weekend. I think one of the one of the games everybody's really excited about here is Notre Dame and Maryland. Notre Dame, they're coming off that loss to Georgetown. And it was a close game right up to the end. And Georgetown ended up scoring a bunch of unanswered goals there later in the game. So, you know, it was it was bound to happen. But Notre Dame is a very solid team, very similar to Maryland. They've got a, a flashy offense where they need to have it. They're very capable offensively and defensively. They're, they're very strong. Uh, Maryland, same thing. Wisnowskis has been incredible so far. Donville, the Cornell transfer, has been big. Keegan Kahn hasn't quite figured everything out in terms of the flow, but he's still their third leading scorer. So you can't be too mad at that. And then the Kavanaugh brothers leading Notre Dame. Uh, on offense, Pat Kavanaugh five and six. Chris Kavanaugh, the little brother, six and two. Dobson, the big midi, three and two. Wheaton Jackaboys, two and one. You know, I'd like to see him get it get you know mixed up into it a little bit more. In terms of the goalie battle, Entman, as good as they get in the country, All-American, and then Logan McEnany, same thing. Both goalies capable of having big games. Both both guys very capable of putting up a 60% day or more if they get hot. So I think that the goalie battle's a wash. I think offensively, I like I like Maryland overall a little bit more in terms of their depth. But so I give Maryland Maryland a slight edge offensively, but you can never count the Kavanaugh boys out and what they can do. And then you got the big boy Dobson and company. So slight edge so far to Maryland and then the goalie situation. I think I'd almost give the slight edge to to Entman. So maybe that kind of washes out. 
the edge. As we're going through the faceoff dot, Maryland definitely. Luke Weirman has been playing very good. And then Ty coming in, the Virginia transfer, to kind of back him up. That's a very good faceoff duo. And Lynch and Hagstrom so far, untested fully. Maryland's got, they're much more battle tested at the faceoff dot. And, and Weirman is very good. So definitely the edge goes to Maryland at the faceoff dot. And then defensively, I like both both of these teams' defense. I think I think that's kind of a wash. I think in the end, I think uh, I favor Maryland a little bit, but I favor Maryland in a close game. I didn't see what the spread was on this, but I would probably take Notre Dame to cover the spread. But I'm I'm going to I'd take Maryland to win. I think Mar- Maryland probably wins this game by two or so. Could be even three. And uh, but it's going to be a hell of a game for sure. So everybody, be sure to tune in. It's it's going to be on ESPN. So anyone that's got ESPN Plus, this game should be on it. Uh, because it's Notre Dame's home game and they play uh, ACC Extra and crap like that there. Another good one, and another one that should be on ES uh, on the ACC Network Plus or on ESP, you know, watch ESPN, is Carolina and Denver. Of course, Chris Gray, 19 and 14 so far for 33 points. That's pretty incredible. Jacob Kelly's been solid, 12 and 9. Nikki Solomon, 8 and 7. So they've got depth. It's They don't have the offensive firepower they had last year, but they, they have plenty to get the job done. Where Carolina has struggled is defensively. They've got a lot of young defenders playing in, in front of Colin Krieg. So Carolina's problem is not the offense. The edge definitely goes to Carolina offensively. Where Carolina has problems is defensively. But Lucky for Carolina in this game, Denver has struggled offensively because they've got Jack Hanna here has not shot the ball well. He did, I think, against Jacksonville shoot the ball well, but they still lost in that game. But you see here, he's still seven goals off 55 shots for a 13% save percentage. But I think, like I said, he's an incredible ball player. I think he's going to figure that out, and I think you'll see that that shooting percentage climb throughout the season. But it's going to end up being low anyway because when you when you start the way that he did, it's tough to dig yourself out of that hole. But Silstrap has been great. Ted Sullivan's been great. Nailing crap on the run. Uh, Johnny Morocco has been strong. So, you know, definite edge, though, to Carolina in terms of the offense. And then as we look at the goalies, I do like Colin Krieg a lot, and I like Colin Krieg a little bit better than I like both Thompson and French. It seems like Thompson and French have been kind of splitting duties on and off at Denver for a while here. Thompson is getting the bulk of the playing time, though. And, you know, both both teams have a goalie that's sitting at 48% right now. So none of these goalies are lighting the world on fire. I think Krieg, though, the youngster, I think he's a little bit more capable. It's just he's got no help in front of him. Denver definitely gets the edge on the defensive side of the ball, though, and I think that kind of washes out whatever advantage that Krieg gets. So I'd give offensive advantage to North Carolina, defensive advantage to Denver, and I think this game is really going to come down to what are Tucci and Stathakis going to do at the faceoff dot. Tucci, 59% thus far, 26 ground balls, and Stathakis, a very solid 57%. And North Carolina will go a little bit deeper, not much. Carolina's played, you know, well, they played about the same number of games here. So uh, this uh, Terrar or Terrier uh, has gotten a little bit of time for Carolina, as has Mullins, but Tucci is the big cat, and he's the one that draws the bulk of the draws, and Stathakis takes almost everything for Denver. Both very capable, and I think this game is going to come down to who wins the bulk of the possessions, and then that's it. Maybe maybe one of the goalies gets hot or something like that as well. But I think that the defense of Denver 
and the offense of North Carolina are going to kind of cancel each other out, and it's going to come down to, especially because Carolina's defense is terrible, and you know that'll help Denver's offense. So I think that's where things are going to be even, and that the the faceoff dot is going to be where the real deciding factor ends up being in this game. And and by the way, I like Carolina. I think that Carolina will probably pull it together and win that game by maybe a, a slim margin. We'll see. Denver has struggled, and they just got to kind of wake up. Denver's going to be fine. You know, by the end of the year, they're going to be a threat to win their conference and make the playoffs and everything like that, the NCAA tournament. But right now, they they just haven't figured it out, nor has Carolina. So that's going to be true for both of those teams. Another great one this weekend is going to be Hopkins at Virginia. Yet another game that'll be on ESPN because it's an ACC home game. And, you know, what can you say? You can't say enough about Connor Schellenberger. 25 points, 8 and 17, shooting the rock at 40%. He's been incredible thus far. Peyton Cormier kind of playing opposite him as a sniper on the crease, 12-2 and two for 14 points, 38%. Xander Dick, you just look at what Virginia's doing in terms of the their efficiency shooting. Their top five scorers are 33 and above, but they have a guy, their top scorer, Schellenberger, at 40%. Cormier at 38%. Xander Dixon, 9-4, nine, nine goals, four helpers, shooting the rock at 47%. Matt Moore, who is not a – he's an incredible shooter, but he's a volume shooter that doesn't hit the cage a lot. He's even shooting at 33%, and that's pretty good for him. Jack Simmons, 44%. I mean, Virginia is just playing really good lacrosse right now. I think they're technically the best team in the country, even better than Maryland at this point, the way they've been playing. So we'll see, though. And then Joey Epstein. I love seeing the the reemergence of Joey Epstein, 14-4 and so far this season, shooting the ball well at 30%. But – huge advantage offensively to Virginia so long as they play consistent if they come out and play like they played against Syracuse it's going to be a rough day for Hopkins because when Virginia plays their best I think it's going to be a rough day for everybody that has to face them for the most part so definite advantage to to Virginia in terms of offense now the goalie battle Matthew Nunes has been very good in cage the freshman who uh, beat out Gavin, and that's the reason. Well, I, I guess it's not the reason Gavin's at Syracuse. You know, what they said was Gavin left Virginia for Syracuse because he was going to be ineligible for breaking some kind of team rule or whatever. I have no idea what that was about, but Noons has been 56% so far against a decent run of games, and Kursan has been stable in cage for Hopkins at 51%. So I think I like Noons a little bit more here. Kursan, though, has the experience. So we'll see what happens. This is a big rivalry game. At the faceoff dot, Petey fucking Lasala, obviously. 64% of his draws so far. This kid has won 57 of 89 with 27 GBs. And then what has he done in terms of points? Uh, four goals. Dude's got four goals while winning 64% of his faceoffs. Just can't say enough good things about him. So a definite advantage there, although Tyler Dunn has played well for Hopkins, and he's definitely one of the reasons Hopkins is three and two instead of Hopkins maybe being two and three. So, but a definite edge there. So offensively, the edge goes to Virginia. In the in terms of the goalie battle, I give the edge to Virginia because defensively Virginia is definitely better. Faceoff dot Virginia is better. So when you really look at this, Hopkins should get beat by ten goals, but Hopkins is scrappy and they're playing some decent lacrosse right now. If Joey Epstein can have a big game, if Dunn can limit some of the the Lasala fuckery and and some of his fast breaks, and if they can try to hold him to just a goal, maybe because it's tough to do that against Lasala. He's got a goal a game so far. 
then I think Hopkins can hang for a little bit, but I think this might be the slow burn. You may see a close game early on, and you might see that slow burn to maybe a five-goal win by Virginia, an eight-goal win by, by Virginia, and I wouldn't be surprised if the wheels come off at some point because Virginia's just that good. A game I am really curious about here, Michigan and Delaware. Now, everyone's all hyped about Michigan, and everybody's getting pissed off when people like me chirp Michigan. Look at who they've played, man. I mean, I love Josh Zawada. I think Josh Zawada is an incredible lacrosse player. And you look at his point total, 25 and 21 so far in their first six games, 46 points over six games. I got dry mouth really bad. That is that is absolutely incredible. And Bohm's been great too. Bohm here, 17 of 15. Ryan Cohen, I mean, Mich Michigan's putting points up. But look who they've played, people. Bellerman, Detroit Mercy, Holy Cross, Canisius, Cleveland State, and Marquette. If we go through the records of the teams they played so far, Bellarmine, 1-6, Detroit Mercy, 0-3, Holy Cross, 0-4, Canisius, 1-4, Cleveland State, 0-3, Marquette, 1-3. So all you people that are like, Michigan's arrived! No, Michigan has played nobody yet. They have played nobody, and Delaware... Four and one, they're they're legit. They played Duke to a reasonably close game. They lost 19-14 to Duke. They whooped up New Jersey Tech, beat Mount St. Mary's by a margin, had a really close game, but pulled it out against a good St. Joseph's team. And if you look at St. Joseph's, they're three and one. Even Mount St. Mary's, three and three. New Jersey Tech stinks, that's for sure. And then they play Duke, and they, they hang with them 19-14, played a tough game against Duke. So this is the first good team. This is the first remotely good team. Let me say it this way. This is the first team that Maryland and Michigan's going to play that doesn't suck. Now, can Maryland beat Delaware? Yes. I think that Maryland, you know, Maryland. I think Michigan has a good shot at beating Delaware. I think this should be a good game. But let's hold off on saying that Michigan has arrived because they've beat up on terrible teams. Thus far, Marquette being the best team they've played so far. Let's hold off on anointing them as, as in a team that has just arrived and is finally playing great lacrosse until they actually play a good team in Delaware. And, and now their schedule is going to get brutal. So we are about to see over the next few weeks, hell, over the, the rest of the season, what kind of team Michigan is. In, in past years, Michigan would have started like this, but then they'd go over for the rest of the season. I like their chances against Delaware, but Harvard after that, Notre Dame, Hopkins, Maryland, Penn State, Rutgers, and Ohio State, and now even Penn State is playing a little bit better. So Michigan has a tough go here the rest of the season. And yes, I pick on them for playing a crappy schedule to start, but you know, you got to to a degree, but they'll they'll figure it out here. And then in terms of Delaware, Mike Robinson, he's got 15 goals, six helpers, Clay Miller, 15 and three, JP Ward. So Delaware can score goals, and Michigan is not strong defensively. So this is why I think the Blue Hens can can do some damage here. In terms of goalie play, Michigan definitely has the edge here. Shane Carr's played well, but once again, he's played well against shitty teams. Mike Kilkerry uh, for Delaware, 47% between the pipes with a much better uh, facing, a, a you know, much steeper competition. So I'd say that the goalie battle we could call a wash because we don't know what Michigan is capable of here yet. And then in terms of faceoff dot, once again, Michigan's beat a bunch of teams 
that have terrible faceoff guys, but Nick Rowlett still 61%, and then this backup guy Whitfield or Whitfeld 32 and uh, 52, 62%. So I don't know. I can't even give the edge to anyone in this one. I'm thinking this is going to be a, a very good game, a very interesting game. Could be a very close game unless Delaware cannot control Josh Zuwada. The dude is the truth. So don't get me wrong. I've cut up Michigan in this segment so far, but Josh. Zuwada is a legitimate ball player, and he is a problem and will be a problem for Delaware to be certain. Next one, Hobart and Syracuse here. Hobart coming to the Dome to play for the Krause-Simmons Trophy. Cuse is now 1-3. and three. Hobart's 2-1. and one. Hobart is coming off of a win, uh, loss to Cornell, 15-12 loss. Cornell had gotten a steeper lead, and then Hobart battled back. They, but what, what impressed me was their win over Lehigh. Because against against Lehigh, I figured that Sisselberger was going to smoke them. And if we look at the faceoff battle here, Mike Sisselberger, yeah, they split him. Uh, this Adam Shea kid split the faceoffs with Sisselberger and did a hell of a job. And Hobart ended up winning that game. And Lehigh's a solid team as well. So in terms of this one, I think that Syracuse is probably going to win this game. I think they'd be the favorite for sure. And, and Syracuse is already more battle tested with, you know, they've already got games against Virginia army and Maryland. So, I mean, it's not like Syracuse's three losses are to chumps. They're to three of the best teams in the country, the top two teams in the country, and then a top 10 team in army after the rankings come out after this weekend. So long as army doesn't lose, they'll definitely move into the top 10. So, I mean, it's Dordovic, Curry, Seabold. They've all been playing very well for Syracuse, but with Sy Syracuse has to find some consistency in scoring further down this roster. Is it going to be Berkman, Quinn, Cook, Cordis? Cordis looked good uh, scoring that goal, his first goal of the season here. Or was it Cordis and, oh, Corsi scored two, huh? Yeah, maybe it was Cordis that scored his first goal of the season. Now I can't remember. Either way, I don't care because Ryan Archer, Ryan Archer very well may end up being one of the best players on the field here. You're going to have these two, Dordovic and Curry, you can make the argument of the best players on the field, but believe me, Ryan Archer is not far behind him. The dude can straight ball out. Eight goals, eight helpers so far in three games. 16 points in three games. That is not bad. Tommy Mott can do everything. He's shooting the rock at a really high percentage right now. So I, I think definitely overall, Syracuse has a slight edge offensively, but only a slight edge. Hobart is a very good offensive team and has been for the last couple of years. In terms of the goalie battle, definite Hopeby has the, for Hobart, definitely is the better keeper. Kevin Holtby, he's 51%, and he's actually a solid goalkeeper that could get hot in a game like this in the Dome. And let's not forget, goalies tend to come into the Dome and overachieve anyway, so I expect Holtby to put up a solid 55%, if not more, against the struggling Syracuse offense. So the the uh, off Syracuse slight edge offensively, Hobart slight edge in terms of the cage. And I think Syracuse has a, a defensive edge as well. And then face-off wise, like I said, Adam Shea so far winning 56% of them, and he's played against Sisselberger already. So not bad. I still like Fop's chances more. Fop's numbers are only getting pulled down by the PD LaSala battle over here. But, you know, I, I still give the edge to Syracuse. It's just that Syracuse has to take care of the ball. Fop winning the draw isn't good enough. They have to actually get the ball down to the offensive end and have a possession. So in the end, I think Syracuse wins this game. I think it will be closer than some people might think, and I wouldn't be surprised if Hobart pulled off the upset in the Dome, but I, I like Cuse to win by two to four goals or so in this one. 
Just got to take care of the ball. Get rid of the stupid turnovers. Another one I'm excited to see, Cornell and Ohio State. Both teams undefeated. Ohio State is hot right now. Jack Myers is an absolute animal. 13 goals, 17 helpers, 46% shooting so far. The dude has shot the ball really well. Colby Smith is filling it up, 13-2. and two. Uh, But then you got C.J. Kirst, Aiden Blake, Piatelli still running around for Cornell. Michael Long, I, I thought he was going to be a little factor a little bit more in their first three games in terms of scoring. Maybe this is the game that he does it. So offensively, I got to give the edge to Ohio State, but Cornell is very capable. In terms of in the cage, Chase Erland, I like Chase Erland. I think I give the edge to him uh, in the net for Cornell. And then at the faceoff dot, this is where Justin Inacio, he could win this game by himself. Now, Petra- uh, Petrakis is good, or Petrakis, He's solid, but I think that Inacio is probably going to win 70% of these draws, and that's why I think that Ohio State probably wins this game, maybe wins this game by three to five goals even. But Cornell, you know, not 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 chumps by any means. Cornell has beat uh, Albany, Lehigh, and Hobart so far. But, you know, you got Ohio State with their huge win over North Carolina. So thus far, Ohio State is the favorite, I think, in this game by, you know, small margin. Another one, I think that Georgetown's going to win this game you know, maybe by three to five again, maybe by more than that against Princeton, Georgetown at four and oh, Princeton at two and one. One of those games was over, you know, Binghamton University. Let's see who they've beat so far. Princeton's beat, yeah, lost to Maryland 15-10. They played admirably in that Maryland game. Princeton did though. But I think in the end that Dylan Watson, Graham Bundy Jr., Trippy and company, Morin, I think they're going to be too much for Princeton to handle offensively. And then defensively, I think they're going to put the clamps down on Princeton. I think Georgetown's defense is better than Maryland's defense. And I think Georgetown is better in cage than Maryland. So that's where I'm thinking five goals is fair. Why? Uh, Princeton ended up hanging well with Maryland was because Eric Peters got hot against Maryland. So far, he's hanging at a 60% save percentage, but Owen McElroy is at 66% in terms of his uh, shot stoppage. So I think I give the edge to Georgetown at almost every facet of the game here. And uh, even the faceoff dot, James Riley has done really well for him. So yeah, I think Georgetown wins that game for the most part. And then Stony Brook and Rutgers. I saw somebody was calling for Stony Brook to upset Rutgers this weekend. That would be pretty crazy. And this is why I say Syracuse's schedule is going to be so brutal because Stony Brook's not a bad team. I mean, they beat Fairfield. They beat Robert Morris. They beat St. John's. And they beat LIU, who's a, a decent team. So this is really going to tell us where does Stony Brook stand with that 4-0 record? Are they worthy of that 4-0 record? Or is that just that they're playing you know weaker competition? Whereas Rutgers so far, they've got wins over LIU similarly but beat them by more. They beat St. John's by more. They beat Army 13-10. to They beat Loyola by a goal. So, I mean, Rutgers, definitely the favorite. I think Rutgers is probably going to beat them by 5-10 to goals, and I wouldn't be surprised if they go 10 up on them. But we'll see. That's why they have to play the games. Let's just rip through real quick and just see what else we have going here. Games that I didn't talk about, we'll talk about quick. Siena and Dartmouth. High Point's going to beat up on Bellarmine. Colgate and Boston U, that game at noon, that should be a solid game. Vermont and Bryant should be a very good game as well. I like Vermont in this one. What's Vermont sitting at right now? They're sitting at 1-3, and three, but they got losses to Duke. That, that one to Utah was tough. They beat Penn State, and then they lose to a very good Brown team. So this is the stretch of Vermont's schedule that I like them being able to rattle off a few games in a row here. Bryant, what are they sitting at? They're 2-2 two and two with wins over, you know, Similar. They got a close win over Bellarmine, though, so I do think that Vermont's probably going to win that game. Uh, what else have we, have we not talked about here? LIU-Drexel, that should be a decent one. 
St. Bonaventure Hampton, you know, I'm yawning at that, but I, I'd like I'd like to see St. Bonnie, the, the 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 Bonnies win another one here. Loyola should be able to get their first win against Lafayette. They're hoping so. At least Towson should be able to take take uh, UMBC, but UMBC is not terrible. And uh, you know, that's that's that. That's all I'm going to talk about here in the end. Oh, Jacksonville, Utah. I like you know just what a great story Jacksonville has been. So far here, this will be the last one we'll talk about. They're sitting at five and one right now. I don't. I don't even think Jacksonville thought they were going to be five and one at this point. And think about it; they really would like to have that Hopkins game back. But they've got to win over Duke, Mercer, Marquette. They want, beat Denver on the road and then Air Force, so they need to beat Utah. That'll be big for them because they'll end. They they should end up being what six and one after Utah, seven and one, eight and one. They could probably beat St. John's nine and one. They could be nine and one by the time they play High Point and Richmond, which are really their two toughest games that they have left, other than Utah. So I'm, I, I it's just crazy to see what. Oh, I don't know what just happened there. My virus. I just double clicked something and my virus software popped up. Max Walbaum has been awesome, twenty-two and eight. Jacob Griner, twenty-four and two. He's been excellent to watch. They're offensively, they're fun to watch. What I've liked about them the most, though. Thus far, oh man, there's something on this page it doesn't like. What I've liked about them most so far is they get back on defense. They get back on defense, and they don't give up a lot of stupid transition goals, and I think that's been the reason why they've been able to beat some good teams is because normally teams like Duke and Denver, they're going to beat you. They're going to play pretty solid when you have a good game against you, but they're usually going to beat you in transition, uh, stupid broken, broken up plays and things like that. And Jacksonville has played very solid defense in those scenarios. So that's a big one. All right, I'm going to stop talking here. Glad I got a show in today. Sorry I was late today, but at least you get a bonus YouTube video out of it here today. I will be back Sunday morning, uh, probably sometime around 10 or 11 o'clock, put the show up for the weekend recaps. Uh, and then maybe we'll throw some stuff up on social media Sunday for the Cuse game. But idea being that come back Sunday, YouTube, Spotify, and then all the other social platforms will have the video podcast. And obviously we put that up for audio as well. So as always, go to laxfactor.com, support us there, or really just like, share, subscribe, do whatever the hell you do. But just do, it, do whatever you can to help us grow if you appreciate what I'm doing here. So that's it. I'll be back Sunday. Be sure to join me. And Hoost is out. Thank <laughs> you.